Welcome to the Genesis Gathering. We're glad that you've joined us, whether it's by Facebook or by the website. There's something we'd like you to do. Copy the URL, all right? Copy the Facebook uh, feed or site or daily flotcher and send, <laughs> send it to a friend and invite them to watch, okay? Have you ever questioned your faith? Have you ever questioned whether or not something you believe is really right? I mean, are, are we sure? And are we satisfied to just say, well, you know, it's in the Bible. We're going to talk about that this morning as we continue in and probably finish our series on voices. But before we do any of that, Matt and Lisa are coming to lead us in a couple of songs of worship. Good morning. Good morning. And good morning to all of you. Welcome. Uh, we're glad you're joining us this morning. And we're going to sing a little worship, get our hearts in a place um, to hear the message. And uh, we're glad you're with us. Here I am with all my intentions, all my obsessions. I want to lay them all down in your hands. Only your love is vital, though I'm not entitled. Still you call me your child. God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to take my hands off of my life and the way it should go. Oh, God, you don't need me. Somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to open my hands up and give you control. I want to give you control. I've had plans Shattered and broken Things I had hoped in Well, they fell through my hands You have plans To redeem and restore me You're behind and before me Oh, help me be God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to take my hands off of my life in the way it should go. Oh, 
God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to open my hands up and give you control. I want to give you control. I want to give you control. I want to give you control. Somehow you want me, the King of Heaven wants me. So this world has lost its grip on me. You want me, somehow you want me, the King of Heaven wants me. So this world has lost its grip on me. God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to take my hands off of my life and the way it should go. Oh, God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to open my hands up and give you control you want me somehow you want me the king of heaven wants me so this world has lost its grip on me you want me somehow you want me King of heaven wants me. So this world has lost its grip on me. Father, we thank you that you are in control and that we don't need to be in control. And Father, we thank you for when we give up control. Thank you for the great peace that comes with that and trusting you and knowing that you are good and that you are in control. Amen. Like deer to a pool I'm coming after you Like a thirsty animal My heart is for your love Like Jonah from the deep I'm coming out of my sleep To find the secrets that you keep It's the only thing worth rising for From the dirt you've drawn me out and you draw me out again I'm coming back from the dead I'm coming out of my skin And you Oh 
like breakers on the shore. You're knocking on my door like the deepest places in you are calling to the fountains of my soul. From the dirt you've drawn me out and you draw me out again. I'm coming back from the dead. I'm coming out of my skin. Oh, and you are everything my heart wants. Everything my heart wants. My heart runs. My heart And so Thank you for this day. We thank you for spring coming and sunshine and life, Father. We thank you for everything that you give us. Amen. Amen. so excited. Uh, although I didn't know what to do, I'm not used to having folks here in live with us, but this is a good opportunity for me to say we invite you to come and be here live in the service with us now. Uh, the COVID uh, 
whatever, I don't have the right word, but it's low enough that you're welcome to come. We have plenty of space. So come on out at 1030 on Sundays. Uh, it's going to look a little different. We have kind of a studio looking here because, of course, we have been doing live stream for a year. And uh, But we want you to come. If you'd like to be here, come on out on Sunday mornings at 1030. Hang on just one second. Okay, I um, want to remind you every Sunday, if you would like to send us uh, prayer requests, you can text them to my phone, which I have right here, 720-878-3323. I don't know why I'm looking at my paper. I know my phone number. Anyway, you're welcome to text your prayer request to me. Or if you're online with us on Facebook, you can put them on the Facebook feed. And we're going to pray in a little bit, and I will check those things to see if there's any new prayer requests here before we pray. Um, it is time to get ready for Easter food baskets and to restock the food pantry here at St. John's slash Genesis. And so uh, bring food, uh, non-perishable, non-expired food, and uh, you can come Monday through Friday. You can bring it on a Sunday morning with you, and uh, we're going to get the food pantry ready. And then if you know anyone who needs food boxes over Easter, please let me know, and we'll get their name on the list and be sure that they get some food. Hey, guys. I don't know if you know this, but there's a guys gathering on Thursday nights every other week, and that's this Thursday. It is by Zoom, uh, 7.30 p.m. You can go out to our website to get the link, and the guys have a great time together. It's uh, not a Bible study. It's a gathering. So um, if you'd like to join in, guys, check out the website every other week. But this Thursday, which I don't happen to know the date, I want to say it's March 4th. Is that right? Yeah, hey, thank you. And uh, 7.30 for the guys gathering. And my throat is dry this morning, so let me grab some water here. No, not that kind of water. That's not going to do it. How silly. What do we do with you? What, why are you the preacher here? What? <laughs> Oh, wow. okay, Tim likes you. Yeah, you can Tim stay. likes me. Actually, I like your sermons a lot. Oh, Jeff likes you too. Okay. Hello, everybody. I just thought I'd add a little levity to our formality. <laughs> and here I was trying to be kind of professional I'll leave today. you alone. Okay, bye. <laughs> okay, hey, um, donations uh, as you give to Genesis... I mean, if you're here and you're here, that's different. But if you're, whether you are or you aren't, you're welcome to donate online at our website. Uh, and that information should be on your screen right now. I'm pretty sure I bet a bunch of you are familiar with it. You can also text to give at 720-730-8510. Um, and remember to text me your prayer requests before we pray. We are going to make a declaration of faith over our finances this morning. You know, we base that on the fact that God has said he would supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yes. And so, uh, and you know, scripture also says give and it will be given to you. It's a, it's a law of sowing and reaping. God's already giving and uh, we're receiving and we're planting seeds of faith by our words as we make this declaration 
So it's going to be on the screen. I hope it's readable. I know it's a lot of words on one page, but say it out loud with me as we uh, participate, as we get as we are considering our time of financial giving this morning, we're going to make this declaration. So take, uh, I, again, here, I'm going to take a breath and uh, let's say this together. As we participate in today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interests and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, bills decreased, blessings and increase, generosity, increased capacity, new skills, witty inventions, solutions and ideas, wise investments, and divine favor. In Jesus' name, we're believing God for divine favor for a refi on our house. So be in agreement with us. We've had to jump through some hoops because of new jobs in the last year and a half, that kind of thing. So this week, we're, we're going to be, uh, that's going to get submitted, and we'll, we're trusting God for this it's, refi. It's one of those significant kind of financial things that would just I mean, it's huge. It's not like a couple dollars a month. So it's hundreds of dollars a month that would benefit uh, our, your pastor, me, <laughs> and us, his wife, <laughs> the world. It'll free us up to give to missions. Does it make you wonder what the sermon's going to be like this morning? <laughs> I mean, what do Are you, you want to hear me say? <laughs> but uh, listen, uh, God has never suffered the righteous to be forsaken or their seed begging bread. You can't outgive God. Good friend of mine used to say it this way, if God can get it through you, God can get it to you. And Tim, I think of you when I think of that as a matter of fact, because you're an example <laughs> of that. So uh, thank you for participating. Thank you for your donations and your love offerings and so forth. Okay, so we're going to pray together and I'm just gonna double check See if I have a prayer request. No, I don't. Um, but I brought, I do, pardon me, you know, I said I don't have a prayer request. Actually, Tanya um, sent us a prayer request at the beginning of service for her dog uh, who has hurt his foot and they're looking for an appointment to get into the vet to get that taken care of. So uh, we're going to pray for, for their dog. I think it's Akira. And for Elizabeth, and how about if I just pray through this list that I have? I have some names to pray for, and I have some general topics I'd like to pray for. And I actually wrote it out this week. I hope you don't mind, but it's such a long list. It was easier to do it this way than to just kind of random, uh, what's the word, just pray on the spot. So if you will pray with me, you know, we believe there's power in prayer and we believe there's power in agreement. And when we agree, come together and agree together in prayer. Amen. So let's agree together Amen. over this. Heavenly Father, we come to you in faith, believing you hear us. Amen. And so we pray for Elizabeth for a pain-free and complete recovery from her hip replacement surgery. We pray for Deborah as she goes into surgery this week that you keep her safe, that all the cancer is gone, mm -hmm. and for a long and healthy life. Thank mm -hmm. you, Father. 
We pray for Leroy, who we know from Bingo, that he is healed from COVID and released from the hospital full yes. of health. Yes. We pray for Tanya's dog, Akira. We thank you, Father, for your healing power and that the financial provision is there to take care of Akira. Father, we want to pray for those in governmental authority throughout the United States, that they'd have your wisdom, that their family life is healthy, and that they are safe from harm. Father, I want to pray, and we want to pray for the police and firefighters in our country to be safe and to be wise in all their work. And Father, we want to pray for the doctors and nurses who have worked tirelessly over time due to COVID. We pray you would give them strength physically and mentally and emotionally, that you'd keep them safe from disease and that you would bless their family life. Father, we thank you for all of this. And Lord, we pray for your blessing today as Jeff comes to give us the word, that his words would be your words, his thoughts would be your thoughts, and that Father, there, each of us would have ears to hear what you, Holy Spirit, want to teach us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I just want to know, do I get to jump up here while you're preaching and make little funny? That's funnies? different. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. you don't. That would be entertaining. That would be entertaining. Yes, that would, that would definitely be entertaining. You don't interrupt the anointing. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. That actually so goes with my message, actually. <laughs> well, um, I, I, you know, I, I would like to think that, that every week uh, our message is relevant and uh, worth listening to. But I'm going to tell you that there's some things in this message that are really worth inviting a friend to listen to, especially individuals who have said or thought or you know that they um, they have difficulty with the organized church with organized religion maybe they've been burnt by organized religion um, perhaps they're even agnostic towards or even an atheist towards religion for a lot of different reasons and question the veracity and the truth of the Bible. This, this message will help and I'm going to ask our media people just to bring me down in the house a little bit. Thank you very much and uh, I'm going to get started here. Father, thank you that this message reaches to every heart uh, both now live over Facebook and, and over uh, the various internet means here in our gathering place but for those who will watch it in the weeks to come or listen to it by audio, we thank you for them. And I just pray that the, there'd be something special in these words that reaches into every situation of those that listen. And it brings healing. It brings deliverance. It, it, it brings peace. It, it brings calm. It brings... Oh... I don't even know how to pray, Lord, because I, 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 I think about the times that you have comforted me through these various principles and what it's taken to arrive at a place where I, I have this freedom to question. And I, I'm just asking that, that that awareness and that presence of your love would come to every heart in Jesus' name. Well, I've certainly given away the title 
of, of my message. You know that. So uh, this is part six of our series on voices. I've called it Courage to Question, Embracing the Ministry, excuse me, the Mystery of Christ. Um, I believe it takes a certain daring, truly, a, a, a daring, the common voice of religious teaching and exposing it to the life of Jesus. Okay? It, it, it takes a, a daring spirit, a daring faith to, to do that. There's a number of demarcations that I've come to myself in coming to a place of freedom when it comes to asking questions. Let me, let me share a couple of demarcations with you that led in my life to a complete paradigm change. I mean a, a complete change in paradigm. And, and uh, I, I see that the, the media people are needing just, let me help. You can turn the screen down towards you. Grab this little screen, turn it down towards you if you need that, and this other will not work. Just go by. Thank you so much. Okay, so um, it takes years and years and years, I think, for people who are Christian, for people who are religious, for people who have studied the Bible, for people who have been under the mentorship or tutorage of, of, of spiritual guidance, of pastors and spiritual leaders and so forth, to reach a place in your paradigm of thinking to where you are free to ask questions. This started for me over 20 years ago. In fact, actually it's been probably closer to 40 years I'm thinking about this because the first demarcation I want to share with people is when we were attending a particular church in town here. And that church was under the um, cloud, if you will. Obviously, they didn't believe that and didn't call it that at the time. But we know and have since come to find out uh, a very heavy-handed shepherding movement. This is where uh, every individual in the congregation was assigned an elder. And that elder was responsible for your life. And... Um, you had to go to that elder to get any decision that was weighty uh, approved. Yeah, no, you're saying, wow, can't believe it, shaking your head. But it was such a bondage, such a manipulation, and, and we lived under that. And so I, I began, um, it was just grating against my spirit. I knew it wasn't right, but I was desperately under the fear of it. And I mean, manip manipulation like if, if, if you don't, or if you try to go outside of this, or if you're not getting a witness, it was called a witness, if you're not getting a witness on these decisions, then you'll come under a curse. God won't bless you. Your, your life will go off the rails. All kinds of manipulation and, and so forth was used to keep you in line. How many of you identify? Any relationship to that kind of thing spiritually? It's dastardly. It, 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 it's... It's disgusting, it's uh, sinful, um, it, it, I can't f find the words right now, but 
I began to listen to a gentleman on the radio by the name of Walter Martin. Walter Martin had a radio program called The Bible Answer Man. And it was a call-in program where people would call in and get answers from Dr. Martin regarding a variety of topics and so forth. In the process of listening to him, various questions were asked regarding the veracity of scripture, regarding uh, authority and leadership, and freedom, Christian freedom to worship God as you wanted to. And in those words, I found a liberty to question the authority of the elders of that church. I found a freedom and I began to talk just every once in a while and carefully to Nina about it because she, she didn't know I was doing this, didn't know I was taking this in at least initially. And, and, and so as I would share my concerns about what we were experiencing and about the heavy bondage that we were under, um, again, we found a certain freedom to question and to break free. And eventually we did. We left. We broke free. Now, in doing that, we met because of honor and because I have always done this when I leave a church. I don't care what the circumstances. Every church, every ministry that we have been connected to, I have always gone in to talk to the leadership, the pastor, and explain we're going to leave and here's why. I've always done that. I did that in this situation. And unfortunately, various things were used to corral, to make us feel uh, like a judgment was going to come on our lives, to put fear on us if we did. But by that time, we had the boldness. We had the courage to question. Another demarcation that uh, happened in my life, and this occurred in about January of 2012, and I know that's jumping ahead largely, but these are, when I talk about a demarcation that changes your paradigm, all right, I, I'm, I'm talking about life-altering things, all right? That's the kind of thing that happened here when in about January 2012, a book was recommended to me by someone I really, really respected. It's called Repenting of Religion. It's by Gregory Boyd. We actually have a slide of that here so that you can take the information down if you'd like to. When I first began reading this book, Repenting of Religion, I, uh, I didn't get past the first chapter and I put it down. I just, I, I, I was offended. <laughs> My religiosity kicked in, man, I'll tell you what. And then I picked it back up. And, you know, it was my friend that recommended, I trust my friend. I know he wouldn't read something like this unless it was good. It was valid. And so I picked it back up and I pressed through the second chapter. And I just, I'd put it down and I'd just think, I am not going to poison my soul. Get those words? I am not going to read toxic stuff and poison my soul with such. <laughs> Those were some of my attitudes. And I picked it back up and I kept reading and I read to the end. And that book to this day is one of the few books that we will actually travel with, keep on a book table, and that we have recommended in every opportunity we have to anybody who will listen. It is life changing. I'm not going to tell you all about the book, but I'm talking about demarcations where in our lives we reach a point where a paradigm shift is needed and we dare to believe. Excuse me, to question. 
The third one is, generally speaking, presently, just the courage to ask questions about what I believe. Some might call it deconstruction. Others might call it heresy or leaving the faith. <laughs> Ooh, now that's a little strong, isn't it? You know, oh, there goes Jeff. He's a heretic. Now he's slipped, slipped into, into deception. Well, Webster's defines deconstruction as the analytic examination of something, often in order to reveal its inadequacy. So here's the question. If, if, if one feels like you are, quote, leaving the faith, if you're accused of that, or if, uh, if, if I've been accused of that, maybe, maybe you've heard that in discussions. I don't know. I have no idea. I know I have been, and I've heard that. Question, whose faith? Whose faith am I leaving? Your faith? The faith that you were raised in? The faith that you were told was right? The faith of an authority figure or that an authority figure declared to be right? The faith that your group, your team said that unless you uh, believe it the way we believe it, then you're not believing it the way that the Bible says it? Faith? That faith? I want to read you a quote. It's from a gentleman called Mick Mooney. He's the author of a book called Meeting the Muse. And I quote, From the earliest times the human experience, religion was steadfast in presenting God to mankind in the form of an exclamation point. When Christ entered the world, he bent the presentation of God into a question mark. Hmm. Oh, I do too. Are you living by an exclamation mark? When you read scripture, is it always an exclamation mark? When you pray, is it always an exclamation mark? When you're trusting God in prayer, is it an exclamation mark? Or does Christ have a right to bend that into the shape of a question mark? I think it's time that we consider leaving the know-it-all mindset of religion. What am I talking about? Well, certainly the book, Repenting of Religion, would give you the freedom to ask some questions about your faith. And questions aren't opposed to faith. If they were, Jesus wouldn't have used so many to teach about faith, trust, and the nature of God. Faith isn't measured by certainty, the certainty of our answers. Faith, faith rather is aroused and activated by the questions that we ask. Rather than a devotion to group doctrines, we challenge them to see if they're truly representative of the character of Christ. That is what Jesus taught people to do. Religion's foundation is in giving answers, lots of them. I mean, until you're loaded with all the doctrines and theology taught by the team leaders and that all your tribe determines are essential for understanding God's will and receiving his blessings. Inundated with them. And the goal of most groups is to have absolute answers because their objective is to be right. Which to a religious mind equates to righteousness. So I have to be right 
and dare not ask questions because I want to walk in righteousness. In religion, the value and substance of a group is based on certainty. How certain are we that we believe it exactly as the way that it's stated in the Bible? And by the way, in Jesus' day, the Bible fundamentalists, in his day, they were called Pharisees. Those were the Bible fundamentalists of their day. If, if they had a motto, it would be, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. Ever heard that? That's what the Pharisees claimed. Those were the religious certain ones of Jesus' day, the fundamentalists. And by the way, their relatives are still around. Jesus used questions to stimulate thought. He wasn't afraid of uncertainty. He encouraged his listeners and his followers to consider what was taught as fact and to question it in the light of his teaching. Excuse me. Jesus encouraged his listeners to reconsider what was taught as fact and to question it in the light of his teaching. Let me give you an example. When Jesus would say, have you ever heard it said, but I say to you, have you ever heard it said, but I say to you, in other words, my words supersede the scripture or the Bible of his day. He would ask things like, is it lawful for a man? Starting into a question, getting them to question the absolute, getting them to question their own scripture. Is it lawful for a man? You see, questions look for truth. They're not interested in a pat on the back. Let's turn in our Bibles. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. This is going to be our text. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields. And oh, let me say, notice that in these 13 short verses, Jesus asks four questions. Four different questions in 13 verses. That should tell you something about the ministry of Jesus and how he taught. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the, on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and he began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is, get this, unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, question, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only the priests. Question, or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath, and yet they're innocent? Verse 6, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. Something greater than the Old Testament law is here. Something greater than your present style of worship is here. Something greater than your legal reading 
your constitutional reading, you're treating scriptures like a constitution that are read legally so that man has to conform to the constitution. Something greater than all of that is here. Verse 7. And if you had known what these words mean, quote, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man, watch this, is Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 9. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, Question. If any of you has a sheep, and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Verse 13, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And so he stretched it out. And he was completely restored just as sound, or it was completely restored just as sound as the other hand. Verse 14, but the Pharisees, listen to this, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. And that spirit is still in the earth today. If you question authority, if you question your religious teaching or upbringing, if you question the scriptures, if you say, well, I'm not sure about that. I, I, I believe in God, but I'm just not sure whoo, what you might come under. If you're already founded in a church, if you're already committed to Sunday school and the doctrine of the church, and you've been watching or walking with the various tenets of a religious faith for a long time, but then you begin to deconstruct and question and ask yourself things, look out. Because what might come your way is a spirit that desires to stop that effort, to call you a heretic, to say that you have fallen from the faith and you're no longer, you know, this and that, this and that. Let me comment about this, verse 14 here, specifically in regards to them wanting to kill Jesus. Religion is blind to the love-centered message of Jesus, which lives in self-sacrificial giving. Instead, it demands justice. That's because religious law and rule-keeping is based in a legal response to God's principles. And it views Scripture as a constitution to be obeyed rather than a narrative of a loving father in pursuit of humanity whose character finally finds its unveiling in the person of Jesus. His love led life based on mercy, forgiveness, kindness, and giving. You see, Jesus' teaching was subversive. I mean, there's no other way to look at the questions that he would ask than that he was subversive to the Old Testament, the old way of doing things, the religious notions and teaching and upbringing of all of the leadership of his day. Did you know that Jesus asked some 339 questions in the four Gospels? And only three questions that he was asked did he directly respond to and answer. And almost always when he was asked a question, he answered it with a question. Why? Because Jesus lived in such a way as to offend those who were putting their faith in rules rather than his love. 
<laughs> Tim said the new rule. And that's exactly right. The, the new rule, which is what? It's not really a rule at all. Well, Paul called it the, the law of the Spirit. But it's the rule of Jesus' life. It's the rule called Jesus Christ. And Jesus was subversive. Where, wherever he found religion, he knew it stunk. He knew it didn't represent God's character, nature, and love. And Jesus was not afraid to question, and he wasn't afraid of questions. And he didn't demean or downgrade or criticize or cause to feel guilty people who asked sincere questions, not trying to trap him, but questions about faith. I want you to think about when Jesus said, I am Lord of the Sabbath, what was he doing? Let me give you a couple of examples of exactly what he was doing. So, in Leviticus 11, we're given a whole chapter full of dietary rules. But in Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 18 and 19, Jesus declares all food clean. I went back to Leviticus 11 just to read through those dietary laws and rules. It's incredible what you are not allowed to eat, what you have to be careful and be very sure that you don't upset God and lose his favor and so on and so forth. And yet Jesus turns that on its head and says, all food is clean. What a subversion of their leadership. What a subversion of the temple. What a subversion of Old Testament teaching and law. How about the subject of divorce? In Deuteronomy chapter 24 verses 1 through 4, it's taught that, you know, you can divorce your, your wife for burning the pancakes. You know, just give her a writ of divorce. But when you get to Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 19, Jesus teaches that these rules were temporary. He said, God gave you that because of the hardness of your heart. But now I'm bringing you into a different realm, a different reality, a different life after the Father's heart and after my heart where there's not going to be that kind of compromise and I offer you a better way. There were laws about a person carrying their belongings around on the Sabbath. They weren't supposed to carry your belongings, your coat, your briefcase, your whatever, your guitar case. You, 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 you can't do that on the Sabbath, all right? You can't, you, and you, you can't travel but a certain distance on the Sabbath, and you can't carry personal belongings. You find this in Exodus chapter 20. Jeremiah chapter 17 mentions it. But then in our text, Jesus, not only here, but also in John chapter 5, he heals a man on Sabbath and then commands the man, take up your mat and walk. He does, and he's completely healed, violating all the rules of Sabbath. And you know, if you violate one rule of the law, you've violated all of it. If you violate one tittle, you've violated all the jots. I've never said that before. I think you have to be careful in how you say that. But In Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, we're told to be careful not to touch 
or come within a certain proximity of people with skin diseases. Yet Jesus touched lepers and healed them. Matthew chapter 8 is a good example of that. See, when Jesus said, I am Lord of the Sabbath, what he was saying is, my words, my teachings supersede your previous Bible. It wasn't that rule breaking was Jesus' objective. He wanted people to see that there was an expression of something far deeper than the rule itself. It wasn't that rule breaking was his thing. Jesus claimed to fulfill all of the meaning of scripture but to do it better than his religious leaders were even doing it. And so that all the fulfillment of everything God is pleased with is met in Jesus. Have you ever felt like I haven't prayed enough? Did you know Jesus has? Have you ever felt like, oh man, I, I missed it on that, that moral step? Jesus has already met that requirement morally. Oh, I just, just don't have it in me. I'm, I'm just, I, don't, I don't have strength. Man, I don't want to go to church today. <laughs> Jesus is strong. Jesus has been to temple. Jesus completed it all for you. I, there's just nothing in your life where Jesus hasn't touched on it and Jesus did it for you. It's all rolled up in Jesus so that in him our life is perfection. In him we are, Paul said, the righteousness of God in Christ. William Temple, former Archbishop of Canterbury, said, and I quote, if our concept of God is wrong, the more dangerous we are to ourselves and to others. If our concept of God is wrong, the more dangerous we are to others and to, to ourselves and to others. Now, as I as I pin these next words, I I. I wanted to be careful, and, and I almost didn't say it quite this way, but I think since I don't have a lot to lose, <laughs> I ought to just say it. Following the Bible literally is dangerous. We have only to look at the witch burning, the crusades, Christian nationalism, etc., in fact, consider this. Jesus' own disciples asked for permission to call down fire on his detractors in Luke chapter 9. Why? Because they were still steeped in a literal reading of a constitution that said, you've got to believe it this way. Rather than the love life, selfless giving of Jesus Christ. You see, the reason witches were burned at the stake, most of them, by the way, were Christian by definition, by any definition, and by our definition today. They actually were the Christians, but they practiced things that were disagreeable to the religious notion of that day, and they were burned. You know why they were burned? Because scriptures were taken literally from the Old Covenant about what you had to do with, quote, sorcerers. 
Do you know why the Crusades did the, and carried out the atrocities that they did, killing not only men, but women and children? Read about it sometime. Just not the whole thing. It'll just turn your stomach. But some of the gross atrocities of, of what they did to the glory of God, they would write. To the glory of God, for his will and pleasure, they would lift children up on burning spikes in the air, having pierced them through of those who would not believe in the Christian God. How do you do that? How do you, how do you fall to that point? In, in John's gospel, Jesus' own words, listen, many people, I, I don't know, I, I, I just, I know I had read the book of John completely, but I just, like, I don't know, passed over this verse or wasn't aware that it existed. Or These are Jesus' own words in John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. You study the scriptures daily, passionately, because you think in them you have life, but you ignore the fact that they all point towards me. You have only to ask regarding any thought, any commitment, any action, any group you join, would Jesus do that? Would Jesus pierce through an infant on a spear, light it on fire after dipping it in some kind of combustible liquid and raise it up on a spear and say, to the glory of God, we, we're, we're, we're dealing with these heathens. Would Jesus have done that? See, we question what we're told and what we read, not because, and I, I, this is going to be on the screen, I believe, is it, Jeff? I want you to look at this and follow along with me. It's so important as we start summarizing my thoughts here. We question what we're told and we read what we're told and what we read, not because we're doubters, not because we've slipped into heresy, not because we left the faith, but because we love Jesus more than anything else in life. We want to know him. We want to know what he taught. We want to know how he lived and the God he said he came to reveal. Lest you fear that what I'm telling you, or excuse me, that what your own heart is telling you, and allow, see, my, my heart began to question, and I dared to listen to Walter Martin back in 35, 40 years ago, that led me out of a very, uh, just a, a terrible manipulative situation of religious bondage. I dared back in the beginning of the 2000s to read a book recommended by my friend, Repenting from Religion. I, I, I dared and it changed my paradigm. I have since dared to read after and question and pray with and fellowship with people who don't believe just like I do, who've written things that prior to now I would have considered heresy. I dare 
And, and what happens? See, that's something that's going on in your heart. Lest you fear that what your heart is telling you, the way your heart is leaning, or the voice of God's Spirit that's speaking to your inner being is wrong, or you shouldn't do it, or it's heresy, or don't follow it. Consider this. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, God is at work within you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We either believe that or we don't. And see, I just happen to believe that God's at work in me and in my heart, and he's big enough to keep me. He's big enough to lead me. He's big enough to carry me through my questioning. He's big enough to lead me back if I get off the straight and narrow, Tim. Now, the message translation of that says, God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. <laughs> In you, the Aramaic says this, for God has particularly prompted you also to desire and even to act on anything that you particularly desire. Interestingly, out of the three things that Paul said remain that are truly important, none of them is concerned with doctrinal correctness, believing the right things, or whose team you're on. In fact, the greatest of the three that he said are vital and important. Follow me now, camera person. Of the three things that Paul said remain and are important, these are what we should place emphasis on. None of them is concerned with doctrinal correctness. None of them is about believing the right things. None of these three have anything to do with whose team you're on. In fact, according to Paul, the greatest one is love. I'm going to leave you with four questions this morning. But first, I want to play something for you. And then you come back. Don't you leave because I've got four questions for you that I want you to take into your week. Let's take a moment and think about, meditate on, reflect on the things that we've been hearing.
That I want you to take with you. We're going to pray. Would you pray with me? God gave me these prayers at the beginning of the year and asked me just to bring them into our year. Like that song, 
They're sort of a banner for our year. You're going to be hearing a lot of that song through the months to come, in the months to come. And you're going to be seeing these prayers often. It's been a while since we prayed them in service, at least all three of them. And I'm going to present them to you now, okay? And they are available for the asking. Let's pray the first one together. It'll be on the screen. You ready? The word is an encounter. We ask you for regular encounters which challenge us to see differently, as you see, and not as ones bound up by religious teachings, evangelical dogma, fear and guilt, or any other compromise. Can you say amen? I, I, I pinned that prayer. I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me that prayer before the year began, back in December, not knowing the series that I would be in in February. Here's the next one. Let's, let's pray it together. Make us less certain about the things of which we are certain and more open to the possibilities we do not yet see. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. And prayer number three, pray it out loud. Ca- cause us to understand that when you said you'd never leave us, you meant it. So we declare in faith that 2021 will be a year breakthrough in awareness. Awareness of your presence, awareness of your power, awareness of your provision, and awareness of your love. Hallelujah. All right, here's the four power questions that I want you to take with you into your week. Number one, what did you take from this morning's sermon? What's your takeaway? from this morning's sermon. What, what spoke to you? And I want you to write it down. Record this. Take, I know you can't write this fast, so just grab your phone and take a snapshot of the, uh, of the, of the whatever you're viewing this on, your tablet or your, <laughs> I guess if you're doing your phone, yeah, there's a way to click, do a screen print of your phone so that you have these questions, all right? But I want you to respond to the question and actually write out an answer. I want you to do what Jesus, his method of teaching truth far and away, larger than any other means that he used, was to ask questions. And so these are intentional to get you thinking. Number two, what did you learn from the main points? My outline would be available, by the way, for the asking. Number three, what do you think about blank? And you fill in the blank. You know, there were some very strong things said this morning, especially about taking the Bible literally, all right? And that might need some unpacking for you. Hey, I'm available. Coffee, dinner. I'll even buy the coffee. Now, if it's dinner, you've got to buy. Question number four. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. It was a joke. (laughs) Number four. Where did you grow? Not like where were you born and where'd you get your start as a human being. What today and over this next week is going to cause you to question, but then to grow in your faith and in your love for Jesus, right? Guys, join us on Thursday for the guys gathering, 7.30 by Zoom. You can get that link off of the website or by emailing us and we'd be happy to send it to you. It's a guys only meeting. And then uh, also, we'll see you next, next Sunday, okay? Same bat channel, same bat cave right here, okay? Love you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Bye-bye.